Good evening, I'm Ken Kurzel. And I'm Katie Davis. We're the leaders of the James Moore Collegiate Athletic Services team. And we're happy to be here today to talk to you about an article um, and the spirit behind an article that we read uh, this week from The Athletic. Um, wanna say I love the stuff that The Athletic puts out. Um, but one thing that caught our attention was it tells the same story that the media consistently tells in that college athletics is overspending. Um, I would say this one has a slight twist um, for pandemic, but otherwise says the same thing that a lot of things have been saying for a while. And, um, you know, it really has inspired us and the stories that have come before this story have, has inspired us to do a lot of work around this area um, to better tell the financial story. We've spent a lot of time talking about that. The last two news and brews that we've done have touched on that. And, um, Ken, why don't you share some analysis that we've been doing in our firm to try to help tell that story? Great, yes, as Katie mentioned, um, we got together a few months ago and Katie and I were talking about the idea of putting together some sort of um, either research publication or industry outlook on collegiate athletics, specifically Power Five schools, and kind of telling a little bit more about the financial picture. And that got us started on a research project where we are looking at spending and revenues from a period of 2005 through 2018 slash 19 we're starting to accumulate some of the 2019 data um, to really look at over roughly a 15-year time period kind of what the revenue and expense picture for collegiate athletics looks like um, over that time period and some of our preliminary observations um, are really interesting um, one thing we noticed is that um, while revenues, as everybody knows, revenues have skyrocketed over that period of time, um, really we've seen a shift in the form of revenues where there is a higher percentage now that are in what we would consider to be more guaranteed revenue streams, i.e. things like media rights, television contracts, uh, royalties, sponsorships, things of that nature, and uh, a little less emphasis on ticket sales um, and contributions and some of those so more going in this revenue, uh, this guaranteed bucket, um, and a little bit less in the variable bucket, so to speak. Now that, that guaranteed bucket's a little bit um, in flux even right now, because things that we thought were guaranteed, like uh, TV revenue coming through the conferences is certainly at risk with, uh, with COVID-19. Um, on the expense side, uh, we've noticed that expenses have increased along with the revenues. Uh, really, the the percentage increase on the expense side has been very consistent with the percentage increase on the revenue side. Um, what's interesting though, is while the revenues have shifted around uh, into these slightly different buckets and have a different overall uh, picture, the expense side is really pretty consistent with the way it was 15 years ago. Um, when we look at salaries as a percentage of total expenses, they're very, very similar as a percent as they were back in 2005 uh, for the most recent year. Um, we have noticed that there are certain areas that have uh, tweaked a little bit in that um, area. Um, one thing is guaranteed salaries and severance payments are higher now than they were as a percentage 15 years ago. So there are some sub, sub parts there that are a little bit different, but, um, but for the most part, the, the expenses have stayed similar. Another area that's had a little bit of adjustment um, is the area of team travel. Um, really, our, Katie, you and I were talking about the idea that this is caused by a couple factors. Um, conference realignment certainly comes into play as you have some schools that are in new conferences now um, where the travel is much further than it was in their old conference. 
Um, also, probably an increase in neutral site games and out of conference games that um, that are that are increasing those travel uh, expenses somewhat, and probably slight increases in just charter travel and kind of what types of travel was maybe on a bus 15 years ago versus a charter plane now, and kind of that impacting things too. Um, one thing we've noticed though too, and an important thing, important for collegiate athletics to tell their story and to paint the picture in a good manner is the transfers back to the institution, the profits that athletics generates that goes back to the university um, in the way of contributions, that has actually gone up over the last 15 years uh, from what we've seen um, to being a pretty negligible amount back in 2005 to some fairly large amounts for some schools uh, in the 2018, 2019 years. And that doesn't even count the angle of um, scholarships, that scholarship expenses really are a contribution back to the university. So as tuition goes up over time and athletics pays more tuition to the university as a whole, that's also uh, contributing to the net gain of the university. So a lot of interesting insights as we've kind of dived into collecting this data and we look forward to sharing it a little bit more in a publication later this year. Yeah, and, and I would say, um, you know, a lot of what uh, you just talked about represents Power Five. Um, in general, there are certainly outliers of schools within Power Five conferences that could look a little bit different. And certainly schools outside of the Power Five are going to have a, a different story. Uh, we do want to tell your story as well. But what we're seeing, the story that's being told out there in the media that the public is reading is about excessive spending that's generally focused on Power Five schools. And, and one thing that I've seen is that that is absent from the storytelling, you know, they do a great job. The athletic did a great job um, mm -hmm. getting quotes from athletic directors, coaches, CFO voices though, or I feel are missing um, mm -hmm. from the media and um, something that I think needs to be worked on. Right, and what, um, so in light of that, I agree with you whole, wholeheartedly. Um, what should CFOs be doing to kind of address that common theme that we're seeing in so many of these articles that it's always about collegiate athletics overspending. It's always about making something bigger and better and bigger contracts and all of that. Um, all of the, a lot of that is true, but what what's some of the things that a CFO should do to address some of that narrative? Well, I mean, I think, and this is the last thing you want to hear right now, and I've talked to CFOs who have said, you've got to be kidding me, but athletic departments should be working on a strategic financial plan. Mm -hmm. And I get it. You're in crisis mode right now. You don't have time to do that. You barely have time to watch a 15 minute video from us. But as soon as you can define your why and engage all of your stakeholders, the sooner you can move forward with a plan that gives clarity and gives confidence to everyone around it to, to what the next steps look like. Hmm. Um, so, you know, for example, we can talk about what does ROI mean, right? Everyone's focusing on where you're spending your money. What, what does that mean though? Why are you spending the money? We know why oh, some of your expenses are increasing. Everyone talks about coaches are being paid more and that's never gonna go away, um, at least not in the short term. So can we talk about why you're spending money and investing in a coach and what does that mean for your program? What difference does that make um, for your student athletes? Why are you choosing to invest in upgrades to facilities? Why are you choosing to, um, shift um you know invest in reasons that may require you to travel more such as conference realignment or um, choosing to play more neutral off-site games 
being able to express that, that, that tells the rest of the story and it helps give you clarity to create your, your strategies going forward. Obviously you're, you're on defense right now and you are dealing with a lot of day-to-day short-term strategic um, decisions. Some of you are part of that decision-making. Some of you hear about it after the fact and then have to figure out how to account for it and, and treat it financially and come up with the financial resources to address it. But um, you know, the, the, the short-term pay cuts, the, um, the pause on procurement, the, the mm. pausing on um, facilities projects, those, those kind of things are short-term defensive strategies, but you also need to play offense and you need to think about these longer-term strategies on, you know, what are other revenue generators? What are other ways that we can contain costs that it just makes sense to do? And it's, um, you know, asking, well, we've always done it this way, um, you know, maybe that's not a good enough reason. Really thinking about what are ways that you can help contain those costs? Um, how can you turn some things that, that take up a lot of your um, assets, um, your, your liquidity, such as facilities upgrades? How can you generate revenue off of your idle facilities? Conversations like that can help you with more um, of a vision of a long-term strategy to help combat some of that excessive spending. Well, well, we're able to spend it, but here's the impact we're having. We're generating more revenue because of that. We are better serving our student athletes because of that. One, one thing that makes me laugh is um, criticism that schools are spending millions of dollars on feeding their student athletes on campus. Um, but then they're also criticizing that student athletes aren't being compensated for what they're doing. And it's like, well, you know, what does that even look like? I mean, let's not even get into name, image, and likeness today, but <laughs> But I mean, that's something else that's going to be um, talked about. And the money, you know, it's not all about money. Um, what's the difference that the money is making for programs, for the universities, for student athletes, for their communities? Um, you know, really, really look at that. And so, you know, as you're building those strategies, think about you know, try to rise outside of the short-term defensive strategies and start engaging with others to think about the long-term strategies. And, you know, really to do that, it's to make sure your voice is heard, make sure you are, um, you know, sharing that side of the story with your stakeholders, um, with the media, uh, you know, when you're questioned and have, have those talking points available. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep talking about telling your financial story and um, it's something that I'm very passionate about. And I really think now is the time to reevaluate what you're doing and um, tell that story that you want to tell. So right. um, with that, Ken, what are you drinking today? I am drinking and I'm glad you finally got to that so I could take another sip. I guess, as we've mentioned in previous news and brews, Katie and I love craft beer and we share good craft beer together. Uh, today I'm drinking something from Distill Brewery. Uh, it's a really awesome uh, label. It is uh, driving that haze, hazy IPA. Um, and it is just what it sounds like, an hazy IPA. And um, I'm really liking it. Mm. Yeah, so what would you rate that? Um, I'm saying that's a 4.25, which is a, in my book, a really solid score. I try to be a hard grader. So yeah. I'm log that in untapped right now is a 4.25. Yep. And so, Katie, what are you enjoying? Yeah. So today I'm drinking um, 
from Swamphead Brewery, which is a local Gainesville, right. Florida brewery, um, Space Gator, which is their um, New England IPA, um, a session IPA, meaning it's lower in alcohol content, um, but it's got that um, hoppy, but also a little hazy and not quite so bitter uh, flavor to it. It's one of those that is a good, you feel like you're drinking a craft beer, but if you're sitting outside on a hot day, it, you don't feel overwhelmed by drinking it. Um, so I really like it, and yeah. um, I, it's one I've had before. I I do a lot of supporting of Swamp Head Brewery, <laughs> um, and and I give it a, a solid four. Um, yeah, and that's a really good score. I'm always skeptical of session IPAs. I've had that one too, and I agree with you. It's one of the best out there. Um, it's a great one, and um, yeah, we. Katie and I enjoy Swamphead. That's one of our local breweries. We encourage all of you to, uh, during this time, support your local breweries, uh, help keep them in business. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I just really um, want to hear from you all as far as what you want to hear us talk about. And I want to be able to be the financial voice um, and tell your stories. Would love to have you on to tell your story as well. So, if you're interested in joining us for a news and brews one week please reach out to me um, you can see our emails on the screen you can also reach out to us um, through our social media where you can see uh, regular updates as they're happening um, check us out on twitter also check us out on untapped and see how we're doing um, while we're while we're happy during the hour and uh, uh, you know we look forward to hearing your ideas and we want to be able to give you relevant and timely information that brings the most value to your athletic department. Um, so thank you for tuning in and we look forward to reaching out to you again next week. All right. Cheers. Cheers.